Broken Timelines. Podcast Episode 10. By Jack Stornaway. Copyright 2019 Jack Stornaway. Antediluvian Larak. In the Sumerian king list, before the kingship was in Zimba, it was in the city of Larak, which fell approximately 64,800 years ago, after being around for 28,800 years, meaning it was founded circa 93,600 years ago. So far, no ruins have been found in Iraq associated with a dynastic city called Larak, however, it is believed they may lie somewhere near the ruins of Isin. Almost nothing is known about Larak. The king of Larak was said to be Ensipadzidana, of which there are no surviving stories. The name Ensipadzidana, translates approximately as time of the shepherd for the faithful of heaven, which doesn't really enlighten us as to what Larak was, other than that they were apparently shepherding. Sheep are believed to have been domesticated in the Middle East, approximately 13,000 years ago, however, the wild mouflon species, which sheep were domesticated from, have been around for approximately 4 million years, and therefore sheep could have been domesticated earlier than 13,000 years ago. In fact, some studies have suggested that sheep may have been domesticated up to three times, from three different wild mouflon species. Of course, the term shepherd could have been used metaphorically, as it is being used within the concept shepherd for the faithful of heaven, which sounds like something a Christian minister might describe himself as being. The world was different between 94,000 and 65,000 years ago, and modern humans weren't the only people on it. The Neanderthals and Denisovan of Eurasia were the other humans on the planet at the time. Modern humans are believed to have initially left Africa sometime between 110,000 and 95,000 years ago, and by 100,000 years ago humans and Neanderthals had begun interbreeding. While modern human remains are found in the Middle East earlier than 80,000 years ago, after 80,000 years ago they were replaced by Neanderthals. It is believed that modern humans left the region because the world was cooling, which allowed the Neanderthals to migrate down into the area from Eastern Europe or Central Asia. Somewhere in Eurasia, a group of modern humans with some Neanderthal DNA did survive, presumably in South Asia. Between 55,000 and 45,000 years ago these modern humans returned to the Middle East, as the Neanderthals withdrew to Europe and Siberia. If Larak existed between 94,000 and 65,000 years ago, and if its inhabitants were modern humans, then it could not have existed in the Middle East. Based on the archaeogenetic evidence most likely regions for this culture would have been South Asia, or Southeast Asia. This early shepherding civilization of Larak, would have suffered a near extinction level setback when the Toba volcano exploded in Indonesia around 75,000 years ago. This volcanic supereruption is estimated to have ejected so much ash and poisonous gas into the atmosphere, that it is believed to have caused a volcanic winter, that would have lasted for up to 10 years. In India, the ash fall left a layer 15 centimeters thick. Until recent genetic research confirmed that the early Eurasian population had survived, it was believed that they had been wiped out by the Toba supereruption. Larraki Genetics as is the case for the later Zimba and Shirapak civilizations, archaeogenetics has identified a mitochondrial DNA haplogroup that is believed to have arisen during this time, 
Haplogroup R. This haplogroup is the direct ancestor of haplogroup U, which arose during the late Zimba period, which was the direct ancestor of haplogroup K, which arose during the late Shurapak period. There were other mitochondrial subclads around, as R gave rise to B, F, R0, and pre-JT, besides U, however, these groups arose at different times. The Sumerian king list points to specific periods in time when apparently significant civilizations existed, and these points in time follow a specific human lineage, back through K, to U, to R. Haplogroup R is believed to have arisen around 66,000 years ago, in either South Asia, or Southeast Asia. Haplogroup R gave rise to several haplogroups, B, F, R0, Pre-JT, and of course, U, meaning that haplogroup R and its descendants are spread over a vast swath of the world. Haplogroup R and its descendants are found among the native populations of the Americas, Australia, Central Asia, Europe, the Horn of Africa, North Africa, the Pacific Islands, Papua, South Asia, and Southeast Asia. In fact, the only region where haplogroup R and its descendants are rare is Sub-Saharan Africa. This has led to the logical conclusion that it originates in Asia. These early Laraki people colonized South Asia, the Southeast Asian Sunda Plateau, and the continent of Sahul, Australia and Papua, by 65,000 years ago. Along the way, they encountered the Denisovan, who they interbred with. They could not have reached Sahul without boats of some kind, meaning that the Laraki culture had to have been seafaring. Given the high percentage of Denisovan DNA found in Papuans and Melanesians, it has been proposed that the Denisovan had also crossed to Sahul, where the primary interbreeding took place. This would mean that the Denisovan were also seafaring, however, it is also possible that the two groups crossed to Sahul together after making contact on the Sunda Plateau. Based on the subclads that developed within the Arhaplo group, it is possible to trace the migrations of peoples out of Larak. Haplogroup R0A is mostly found in the Middle East, North Africa, the Horn of Africa, and Central Asia. The highest percentage is found on the island of Socotra, in the Arabian Sea, at 40%. This suggests that this haplogroup may have originated in the now submerged continental shelf of Arabia or East Africa. Haplogroup HV and its subclads are mainly found in Europe, the Middle East, Central Asia, South Asia, and North Africa. It is believed to have originated around 24,000 years ago in Anatolia or the Caucasus Mountains. The H subclade is the most common in Europe and is believed to have developed around 20,000 years ago, in Southwest Asia. The V subclade is found at low frequencies throughout Europe, its highest percentage is found among the Sami people of Northern Europe, at 40%. Haplogroup R1, and its descendants, are mainly found in the Caucasus Mountains, with traces found in the Slavic populations to the north, and the Brahmins, of Uttar Pradesh, in India. This haplogroup is sometimes used as evidence that the Indo-Aryans originated on the Pontic steppes north of the Caucasus Mountains. R1 subclads R1A, and R1B, are also found in a high percentage in the indigenous population of the North American Great Lakes regions, and smaller percentages in Siberia and among the Fulani tribes of West Africa, although the cause for this wide distribution remains controversial. Haplogroup R2, 
is mainly found in Balochistan, in Pakistan, with smaller percentages across Rajasthan, and Uttar Pradesh, in India, as well as in Iran, Turkey, and Georgia. If Balochistan was the location of the founder population, they may have been related to the Harappans, or the Elamites. Haplogroup J, is mainly found in the Middle East, with the highest percentage found in Saudi Arabia at 21%. Approximately 10% of Europeans, 8% of Caucasians, and 6% of North Africans carry mitochondrial DNA from this haplogroup. It is also believed to date from around 45,000 years ago, like haplogroup U, and is almost non-existent in East Asia, indicating the strong possibility that both originated in Zimba. Haplogroup T, is mainly found in the region around the Caspian Sea, in the Caucasus Mountains, northern Iran, and Turkmenistan. It is found in almost 10% of the European populations, with smaller percentages across the Middle East, Central Asia, South Asia, North Africa, and the Horn of Africa. It is believed to have developed in Anatolia sometime around 25,000 years ago. Haplogroup R3, is a rare haplogroup found in Armenia. Haplogroup R5, is widely spread across South Asia but is focused in Madhya Pradesh, India, at 17%, indicating a possible location for the founder population. Haplogroup R6, is a rare haplogroup found in South Asia, mainly in the Tamil and Kashmiri populations. Haplogroup R7, is primarily found in eastern India, among Austroasiatic and Dravidian-speaking populations. Among the Austronesian-speaking people of India, this haplogroup represents 10% of the population. Haplogroup R8, is mainly found in eastern India, mainly in Orissa, and Andhra Pradesh. It is also found in Gujarat. In Orissa, it represents 12% of the population, and is focused in the Austroasiatic-speaking population. Arissa may have been the location of the founder population. Haplogroup R9, including R9b, and R9c, is mainly found in Southeast Asia, throughout Indonesia, Malaysia, and Vietnam. The Batak people of the Philippines may have the highest percentage of R9 mitochondrial DNA at 58%. Haplogroup F, is a major subclade of R9 spread across East and Southeast Asia. It is found in the populations of China, Indonesia, Thailand, and Vietnam. The highest percentages are found in remote regions around the periphery of East Asia, with 50% reported in the Nicobar Islands, and 44% in the Shur people of Siberia. This haplogroup is believed to have developed circa 43,400 years ago, somewhere in Asia. As this haplogroup is not found in Native American populations, it likely developed in Southeast Asia. The collapse of this civilization may have been caused by the same climatic events that caused the collapse of Zimba. Haplogroup R11, is found in Cambodia, China, Japan, Laos, Thailand, and Vietnam, as well as Rajasthan, in India. The largest concentrations seem to be in Yunnan, in China, at 12.5%. Haplogroup B, is a common haplogroup among East Asian, Southeast Asian, Siberian, Oceanic, and Native American populations. This haplogroup is believed to have developed sometime around 50,000 years ago, somewhere in Asia.
The greatest variety of this haplogroup is found in China, indicating that it underwent its earliest diversification in China. The subclade B4B is one of the five haplogroups found in the Native American population. Haplogroup R24 is a rare haplogroup found in the Philippines. Haplogroup R12 is a rare haplogroup found in Australian Aboriginal peoples. This haplogroup is closely related to the R21 haplogroup of Southeast Asia. Haplogroup R21 is found in the Negrito population of Southeast Asia, including the Jahai of Malaysia at 63%, Senyoi in Malaysia at 37%, and the Manique people of Thailand. This haplogroup is closely related to the R12 haplogroup of Australia. Haplogroup R14 is found in Papua, Timor, and Lembata, in Indonesia. Haplogroup R22 is mainly found in Indonesia, with smaller percentages in Thailand, Vietnam, and Cambodia. Within Indonesia, it is found on Bali at 7.3%, and Borneo at 1.9%, as well as on Java, Lombok, Sulawesi, Sumatra, Sumba, and Timor in lower percentages. Haplogroup R23 is a rare haplogroup found in Bali, and Sumba, in Indonesia. Haplogroup R30 is mainly found in South Asia, although also found in Japan. Within India, it is found in Andhra Pradesh, the Punjab, and Uttar Pradesh. It is also found in Nepal, and Sri Lanka. Haplogroup R31 is a rare haplogroup found in Andhra Pradesh, Rajasthan, and Uttar Pradesh, in India. Haplogroup P is widespread throughout Papua, Australia, Melanesia, and Polynesia. Smaller percentages are also found in the Philippines, and eastern Indonesia. This group is considered to have formed in Sahul, sometime around 50,000 years ago. Haplogroup U is widespread throughout Western Eurasia and North Africa, from South Asia to the Atlantic Ocean. The highest percentages for this haplogroup are found in the Berber and Copts of North Africa, indicating a potential location for the founding group. Based on the multitude of haplogroups originating from haplogroup R, it is clear that the founder group for R could have been anywhere in a large swath of Eurasia and North Africa. Europe and Siberia would have to be excluded as Neanderthals were dominant in those regions, and Sahul does not appear to have been colonized until this period, however, it is possible that it was colonized by the Laraki civilization. After the fall of Larak, the Laraki people seem to have been migrating in several directions. Those that migrated into Sahul seem to have developed the haplogroup P mutation by 50,000 years ago. Around the same time, the Larakis that migrated north into China seem to have developed the haplogroup B mutation, that would later become dominant in East Asia, and contribute to the Native American population. The Larakis that migrated to the west, resettled in the Middle East after 55,000 years ago began interbreeding with Neanderthals again, and ultimately developed the U and J mutations, by 45,000 years ago, which the Sumerian king list suggests was in the Zimbiri civilization. Around the same time, another mutation developed in the Laraki that had remained in Southeast Asia, the haplogroup F mutation. Many additional mutations are listed above, however, insufficient research has been published to date to have any clear ideas of when or where these mutations took place. Meanwhile, 
the Neanderthals and Denisovan appear to have begun interbreeding around 90,000 years ago, creating an Altai population of Neanderthals with some Denisovan DNA, that modern humans would later encounter. A modern human population began interbreeding with the Altai population around 60,000 years ago, creating one of the ancestral populations for the East Asian, and later Native American populations. The genetic evidence suggests that Larak was in Southeast Asia, most likely in a region of the Sunda Plateau that is now submerged. Given that the continent of Sahul was colonized during this time, it does seem that there was some level of civilization, as boats would have been required. This does not suggest a particularly advanced civilization, but does suggest that they knew how to build houses, and likely had other Stone Age technologies, if not something more advanced. Antediluvian Batibira. The Sumerian king list recorded that before Larak, the kingship was in Batibira for the lives of three kings, Enmanluna, Enmangalana, and Dumuzid the shepherd. As the first two names are translatable as descriptions of eras, it is clear that these were not the names of kings, but rather dynasties or civilizations. These dynasties were listed as spanning the time period of approximately 201,600 to 93,600 years ago. This covers a long span of human prehistory. The first two dynasties of Enmanluna, and Enmangilana, covered the time span of 201,600 to 129,600 years ago, which mostly fell within the penultimate glacial period, of circa 196,000 to 130,000 years ago. The following dynasty of Dumuzid the Shepherd, covered the period of 129,600 to 93,600 years ago, which coincided with the Eemian interglacial period, of circa 130,000 to 115,000 years ago, and the onset of the last glacial period, which started around 115,000 years ago. Batibira was also the name of a major Sumerian city in the dynastic period, located at the modern site of Tel al-Madini, in southern Iraq. Batibira translates as Fortress of the Smiths, or Wall of the Copper Workers, which is remarkably similar to the root of the name of the Egyptian city of Memphis. The name Memphis is derived from the ancient Egyptian words Hutka-Papa, meaning enclosure of the Car of Papa. The term Car of Papa translates as essentially the spirit of Papa, or more literally craftsman, as Papa was the patron deity of craftsmen. Therefore the name of the city could be read as enclosure of the craftsman, or fortress of the craftsman. Like Bad Tibera, Memphis also had a mythical pre-dynastic forebearer with the same name. Archaeological research in dynastic Bad Tibera has been hampered by the fact that the city was destroyed sometime in the Neo-Sumerian era, circa 3575-3467 BCULT, or 2119-2011 BCCMT. The destruction was so devastating that the bricks that remain from before the destruction are vitrified, meaning the fire that destroyed the city was hot enough to melt bricks, and widespread enough to melt a city. Little else survives from before the city was burnt. After the destruction of the city, King Lipiteshtar of Isin rebuilt the Temple of Righteousness in Badtibira around 3360 BCULT, 
1920 BC CMT, and Governor Sinidin Arm of Lhasa rebuilt the walls of the city, around 3270 BC ULT, or 1830 BC CMT, during the war against the old Babylonian Empire. Antediluvian Bad Tibera's kings were listed as Enman Luana, Enman Galana, and Dumuzid the Shepherd. Assyriologists have not agreed on the translation of the names Enman Luana, and Enman Galana, mainly as there is justifiably very little interest, in arguing the correct translation of a mythical person's name. However, the Sumerians did try to preserve some information, and translating what these names mean, is intrinsic to understanding what they left us. The two names are composed of the cuneiform logograms N, Men, Lu, Gal, and Ana. N, can be translated as, dignitary, lord, high priest, ancestor, rule, noble, or time. Men, is translated as, crown. It is a metaphor implying the N, meaning ruler. Lu, can be translated as, many, man, men, people, or sheep. Gal, is translated as, great, or big. An, is translated as, heaven, Anu, the god of heaven, or grain. A, when placed at the end of a word is a nominative. This means that Enman Luna can be translated as the time of the crown of many heavens, although it could also be translated other ways, none of which make any more sense. Enman Galana can be translated as the time of the crown of the great heaven. Neither translation sheds much light on the time period, however, this time span ends with the end of the penultimate glacial period around 130,000 years ago. There are no surviving stories about either of these kings, however, there is an extensive story about Dumuzid the Shepherd. Dumuzid the Shepherd King Dumuzid the Shepherd ruled approximately 129,600 to 93,600 years ago. This means his rule would have begun at the beginning of the Eemian interglacial period around 130,000 years ago. During the Eemian interglacial period the world warmed, as it has in the past 10,000 years, and the glaciers that had been covering the northern continents melted. The Eemian was ultimately warmer than our current world, and the Arctic Ocean became ice-free in the summers, however, Antarctica and Greenland remained glaciated. Wild hippopotamuses, which are currently confined to the African continent, ranged as far north as modern Germany and England. Today the hippopotamus has been hunted to the point that they only survive in remote river regions of Africa, however, a few thousand years ago they ranged throughout almost all of sub-Saharan Africa, and up to the Mediterranean along the Nile River, and into Canaan. Dumuzid the Shepherd, was a major Sumerian hero, and is found in several Sumerian-era stories. He was so important that there was a month, in midsummer, named after him. As the Sumerian calendar is believed to predate the life of the later king Dumuzid the fisher of Iraq, it is clear that they are different people. The original Dumuzid was the inspiration for the later Babylonian and Assyrian god Tammuz, which was also the name of the sixth month on their calendars, which continues to be used in the Hebrew calendar. In Greece, he was known as Adonis, and the festival for him, in midsummer, was called the Adonia. The name Adonis is believed to originate in Canaan, in the Canaanite word Adon, which translates as Lord. 
This belief in Adonis continued to be practiced in Canaan well into the Greek age, as documented by Lucian, in his work, on the Syrian goddess, in the 2nd century AD. Adon continues to be used in the Hebrew language, meaning Lord, and when pluralized into Adonai, somehow means God. Adonis appears to have been adopted by the Greeks during the Greek Dark Age, through contact with the Canaanites. There is an older version of him that was apparently inherited from the Mycenaeans, who may have adopted him from the Minoans, Dionysus. There are also several similarities between the Sumerian myths surrounding Dumuzid, and some of the earliest stories in the Tanakh, meaning that the Babylonian era Jews must have had access to these ancient stories. Additional correlations between the stories and festivals of Adonis, and the Etruscan Atunis, the Phrygian Attis, and the Egyptian Osiris, are well documented. An additional, very strong correlation, is found between Dumuzid and the ancient Indo-Iranian king Yima, and god Yama, even though there is no clear connection between the ancient Sumerians and the ancient Indo-Iranians, meaning that the story of Dumuzid the shepherd, is very, very old. The Shepherd and the Smith Dumuzid the Shepherd, is known from various Sumerian epics, four of them form an epic saga, Inanna prefers the farmer, Inanna's descent into the underworld, the dream of Dumuzid, and the return of Dumuzid. Other Dumuzid stories tell alternate versions of the same basic story, with generally minor, but sometimes major differences, these stories include Inanna and Bailulu, Dumuzid and Jeshtinanna, the most bitter cry, and in the desert by the early grass. The main epic serial of Dumuzid, begins with Inanna prefers the farmer, which could be read as either a literal story of a woman choosing one husband over another, or, a metaphorical story explaining why shepherding flocks, is better for the earth than engineering canals to water farms. Inanna prefers the farmer is also known as Dumuzid and in Kim Du, depending on who is translating it. The story begins with a two, the son, convincing Inanna, that she must get married. She courts both Dumuzid the shepherd, and Enkimju the farmer, and decides to marry Enkimju, but Otu and Dumuzid gradually persuade her that Dumuzid is the better choice, and ultimately she changes her mind and decides to marry Dumuzid the shepherd. This story of the farmer and the shepherd is the basis of the story in the Jewish book of Genesis about Cain and Abel. In Genesis chapter 4, the brothers Cain and Abel each decided to make a sacrifice to the god Yahweh, Cain from the crops he'd grown, and Abel from one of the sheep he was shepherding. Yahweh for some reason refused Cain's vegetables, which caused Cain to become so angry that he killed Abel, which then confused Yahweh, because he couldn't find Abel. However, Cain felt guilty, and so, to make sure no one killed Cain, Yahweh marked him. It is unclear what this is a reference to, however, several ancient authors claimed it was a disease that caused groaning and tremors, which was the translation used in the original version of the Christian Old Testament. This may have been a reference to the diseases that many metalsmiths had in ancient times, which was caused by arsenic poisoning. Many ancient gods associated with metalsmithing were described as having limps, or other health problems. Cain ran away from Medan, where Yahweh was living, to the land of Nod, and built a city called Enoch, the first city in the Jewish timeline. While it is possible the later Jewish story only drew the most basic premise for the Cain and Abel story from Dumuzid and Enkimju, 
It is also possible that the Babylonian Jews drew on sources we no longer have. The Mountain in the Steps In order to understand these stories, it is imperative to understand the language being used, and what the various names mean. Dumuzid is derived from the Sumerian words Dumu, meaning son of, and Z meaning life, making Dumuzid's name mean son of life. In the early dynastic period, Dumuzid was also called Ishtaran, in the cities of Nippur, and Dare. Ishtaran's consort was called Sharaderi, meaning the queen of Dare. The name Ishtaran, may be a remnant of the older Kish civilization's name for Dumuzid, as it sounds like Ishtar, which the Sumerians called Inanna. Ishtar is generally considered to be a Semitic name, as there are a variety of Semitic variations, including the Aramaic Atta, South Arabian Athtar, Amharic Astar, Moabite Ashtar, and Ugaritic Atta. Some of these variations of Atta were male, while others were female, which is consistent with other Semitic gods, which changed gender depending on whether the local clan was patriarchal, or matriarchal. Inanna's name is believed to mean Lady of Heaven, however, the Sumerian cuneiform logograms do not translate as that, and she is therefore interpreted by Assyriologists, as a goddess that was adopted into the Sumerian religion from another culture. According to the Sumerian epic sagas, Lugal Bandu and the Mountain Cave, and Lugal Bandu and the Anzu Bird, the goddess Inanna, moved to Uruk, during the life of Lugal Banda, of Uruk, sometime around 9124 BCULT. Prior to relocating to Uruk, Inanna was in the land of Arata, somewhere northeast of Uruk, past the Zagros Mountains. Arata was also mentioned in the Bodhayana Sutra, an ancient Sanskrit text, most likely compiled between 800 and 600 BC, although Arata's location was not given. In both cases, Lapis Lazuli was mentioned in connection with Arata, which suggests Arata was in the Badakhshan region of modern Afghanistan and Tajikistan, as most of the Lapis Lazuli mined in the ancient world was mined in Badakhshan. While this story of Lugal Banda is generally considered a myth, as no definitive proof has been found of Arata's existence, it would explain why Inanna has a non-Sumerian name. Dumuzid's sister was recorded as being Jeshtinanna, and his mother's name was recorded as Surtur, although the name of his father has not survived. Jeshtinanna's name translates as approximately wine, or vine, of the heavens. In the later Akkadian, Assyrian, and Babylonian religions, she became the goddess, Belitseri, which translates as Lady of the Steps. Belitseri was also called the scribe of the earth, and after marrying the god Amaru, became known as the Queen of the Deserts. The cuneiform logogram for the Akkadian word Seri, was the Sumerian logogram Edin, which was the Sumerian word for steppe. The Sumerian Garden of the Gods is theorized to be the basis of the later Jewish Garden of Eden, where the name Eden was based on the Sumerian logogram Edin. In several Sumerian stories, such as debate between sheep and grain, Enki and Nink or Sog, and Song of the Ho, the Garden of the Gods is described as being on a mountain, surrounded by a steppe, explaining how the word Edin would have been associated with the story. Jeshtinanna's Akkadian name Belitseri, records she began as King Dumuzid's sister, as the Lady of Edin, then she married Amaru, and became the Queen of the Desert. Amaru, called Matu in Sumerian, was a Semitic god, and was the primary god of the Amorites. Like Dumuzid, 
He was also called the shepherd, which implies he was also a leader. He was also called Belushadi meaning Lord of the Mountain, which is the origin of the later Jewish phrase El Shaddai, meaning God of the Mountain. Amaru was also called several variations of Belushadi, including Dehersagarsikilake, meaning he who dwells on the pure mountain, and Kazargantila, which means who inhabits the shining mountain. The implication is that Jeshtinana married Martu, while they lived on the mountain in the steppes, and Martu ruled after Dumuzid died, but the steppes became a desert. Jeshtinana was also said to be married to Ningishzada, a strange character similar to Ishtaran's companion Naira. Ningishzada is a title that translates as Lady of the Good Tree, in Sumerian, however, was depicted as male. Many Sumerian female deities, appear to have been emasculated as the Akkadians subsumed the Sumerian civilization. Ningishzada, and Naira, were both depicted in Sumerian art as a snake, or as an anthropomorphized snake. The modern caduceus symbols, used to represent both medicine and commerce are derived, via the Greeks, from an ancient Sumerian emblem in which the two serpents are entwined around the good tree, accompanied by the two guardian dragons. The guardian dragons, which the Sumerians called Mushus, and were later called Mushushu by the Akkadians, Babylonians, and Assyrians, were the guardians of the good tree. This is a clear forerunner of the tree of knowledge in the Jewish Garden of Eden. Like in the Sumerian story, the Jewish story has a snake associated with the sacred tree, which, like Ningishzada, could speak. The guardians also showed up in the Jewish story, as the two cherubs at the entrance to Eden, who were posted there to keep out humanity after Eve was convinced by the serpent to eat the sacred fruit, and then gave some to Adam. In the book of Ezekiel, the cherubs are described as being, winged creatures, combining human, lion, bull, and eagle features, much like the Assyrian and Babylonian era depictions of Mushashu. The second serpent in the original Caduceus, was Amashilama, Ningishzada's sister. Similar iconography of a pair of snake people at the dawn of history, is depicted in several ancient cultures, including Fuxi and Nuwa, from China, and Osiris and Isis, from Egypt. Isis doesn't appear to have been depicted as a serpent until the New Kingdom, when she merged with the Egyptian Old Kingdom god Reninutet, becoming known as Isis Reninutet. Reninutet was a similar, yet reptilian, mother goddess that dates back to pre-dynastic times in Egypt. Osiris was replaced by Serapis as Isis consort, during the Greek era, who was a merged god, combining Osiris and the old Babylonian god Er, previously known as Enki by the Sumerians. Er was known as Shapsi in Neo-Babylonian, meaning king of the Apsu. The reason the Greeks believed Osiris and Enki were originally the same god is unclear, however, they did have ancient Egyptian and Babylonian texts that we no longer have access to. These snake twins, also seem to be the root of the story found in the Mahabharata, of the two giant poisonous serpents in Indra's heaven, that were stationed as guardians of the Amrita, the elixir of immortality. This is reminiscent of the Jewish version of the story, where the cherubs were placed at the entrance to Eden, to stop humanity from eating from a second sacred tree, the tree of life, which would make humans immortal if they ate from it. While snake people, and dragons, guarding a tree growing immortality fruit, makes the story of Dumuzid seem like fiction, it is nevertheless, 
even if it is fiction, certainly an ancient story embedded in many ancient cultures, and continues to influence the modern Abrahamic religions. Jewish Antediluvian Bloodlines In the Jewish story of Cain and Abel, the two brothers fought for the approval of Yahweh, and Cain ultimately killed Abel. The same Hebrew word was translated in the King James Bible, as either Cain, or Kenite, depending on the translator's choice. The Kenites were a tribe that lived in southern Canaan during the time of Abraham and Moses, whose name translates as smiths, and are reported to have been copper smiths. They are believed to be the descendants of Cain, in some interpretations of Jewish timelines. While Cain is generally assumed to be the son of Adam, many ancient Jewish scholars, such as Philo, and Pierre Rabbi Eliezer, believed he was the son of the serpent from the Garden of Eden, called Samael, whose name means Venom of God. In the book of Genesis, Cain named the city Enoch after his son, who apparently isn't the Enoch that later encountered the Watchers, but a different Enoch. The book of Genesis describes two genealogies descending from Adam and Eve, the genealogy of Seth, and the genealogy of Cain. These two bloodlines, both include people named Enoch and Lamech, and most of the names are similar in both genealogies. Theologians have suggested that the two bloodlines represent two competing pre-Judaic bloodlines, the Sethite and Cainite bloodlines. It is believed by many that the Sethite bloodline is inspired by the Sumerian antediluvian dynasties. The Cainite bloodline was, Adam, Cain, Enoch, Irad, Mahujael, Methusel, Lamech, and Nama. The Sethite bloodline was, Adam, Seth, Enosh, Canaan, Mahalalil, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah. The Sumerian antediluvian dynasties were, Alulim, Alalgar, Enmanluna, Enmangilana, Dumuzid, Ensipatsiana, Enmandarana, and Ubaratutu. If the Sethite bloodline was inspired by the Sumerian king list, then it is logical to assume that the very similar Canite bloodline must have been inspired by the Sumerian king list as well. In fact, given the similarities in the names, the two must have had a common ancestral bloodline. This has been reconstructed as the combined bloodline of Adam, Cain, Mahujael, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah. In this combined bloodline, Seth and Cain are still the sons of Adam, and Canaan is an alternate name for Cain. Enosh would be the cousin of Mahujael, who is also Mahalalil. Irad, and Jared, are the same person, and father on Enoch, whose son is Methusel, also called Methuselah, who is the father of Lamech, who is the father of Nama, who is also called Noah. Naturally, this cannot be proven, as thousands of years have passed since the two bloodlines were recombined into Genesis, however, it does show that the story of these patriarchs was very old by the time the early Jews were compiling Genesis. The story of Cain and Abel, does include some other details which could descend from an older account of Dumuzid and Enkimju. In the Jewish story, Abel was the shepherd who died, like Dumuzid the shepherd. After that Cain, went east to the land of Nod, and built the city of Enoch. While Cain's name indicates he was a smith, as one would expect if he came from Bad-Tibira, the book of Genesis claims the city he founded was the city of Enoch. If one accepts the correlation between King Enmandarana and the idea both Enochs were divergent stories of the same Enoch, 
Then the city Kane founded was Zimba, which would later rise to prominence between 65,000 and 43,000 years ago. This city of Enoch was built in the land of Nod, on the east of Eden according to Genesis 4.16. Based on the correlation of Eden and Edin, the Sumerian word for steppe, the land of Nod would have been somewhere on the same steppe as the mountain where the Garden of the Gods was. The name Nod, translates as approximately wanderers, implying that whoever was living there were nomadic, explaining why Cain had to build his own city. Naturally, there are the internal contradictions within the Genesis narrative, in which there are three people in the world, Adam, Eve, and Cain, and Cain goes off on his own and has a child, then builds a city for that child. Clearly whoever wrote this, and whoever edited it, and whoever compiled it into what is today the book of Genesis, knew there had to be other people around. This is the end of this episode of the Broken Timelines podcast. For the complete text, notes, and quotations, please read the complete collection of Broken Timelines books, available at Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, Gardner's, Google Play, Kobo, Script, Walmart, and many other vendors, as well as most public libraries.